welcome to this episode of CrebCast. CrebCast is a podcast created by the Calgary Real Estate Board for its members. Each episode will cover a variety of topics geared towards realtors. We'll talk about how the market's doing, provide board updates, and discuss other topics of importance to our members. I'm your host, Tyler Diffley, Content Production Advisor here at CREB. On today's episode, we're speaking with CREB Chief Economist Anne-Marie Lurie. She'll be giving us an overview of the housing market and discussing the forecast for 2022. Um, so, hi, Emery. Thanks for joining us today, and welcome back to the podcast. You recently presented the housing market outlook and forecast for 2022 during this year's conference. Uh, can you start off by giving us just a quick recap of what happened in the Calgary and area housing market in 2021, kind of the highlights? What we saw in 2021 was really um, an exceptional year. So we had record levels of sales um, in the city and in many of our surrounding areas as well. Um, as And what the challenge was is that the supply levels just weren't quite enough to keep pace. So we had very strong demand, not nearly enough supply, and that caused some price gains that were um, fairly significant. So we had price gains of over 8%, um, even higher in the detached market. Um, now, even within the market, there were some variations. So we did see that, you know, the condo products, um, you know, those weren't as tight of a market. So price gains were a lot lower in the condo side of the market. Um, but on the whole, um, exceptionally strong activity. And a lot of that was driven from the fact that we had a very low interest rate environment, um, bringing a lot of people back into the market. Um, there was a lot of pent up demand uh, flowing through because we've had many years of not so much activity in the market. Um, and finally, there was also the impact just of, of COVID. And, and for people who weren't, you know, didn't face challenges with employment, um, they were saving more. And I think some of those savings were starting to um, filter through on the uh, housing side of the market. And uh, now that you've set the stage, given that extremely strong 2021, what does that tell us or tell you about what's in store for the local market over the rest of 2022? Well, in 2022, we're, we're seeing some shifts that, um, you know, influence the market both on the upside and on the downside of it. So first of all, we don't expect to maintain that pace of record sales as we move into 2022. Um, that's in part because rates are expected to rise this year. Um, so, you know, while levels have um, generally been rising, I guess, from lenders to a certain extent, and that discount rate has moved up from some of the lows that we saw last year, um, you know, overall, Bank of Canada is expected to be doing some significant gains in rates, and that's going to cool off some of the demand in the market. However, we still expect sales to be relatively strong for other reasons. First of all, there's a number of people who just didn't get into the market last year. So that demand is still there. So that will continue to play through this year. Um, the other factor to consider is that our economy, and again, part of this is based off the fact that our economy is expected to be reopening um, and you know we're supposed to be through the worst of the end. And that's a big uncertainty. Like, yeah, we'll fingers see. crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully the, you know, our economy does actually reopen and, and you know, the pandemic is mostly behind us. But if that's the case, you know, we're expected to continue to see growth in things like employment. We finally, last year, um, we did see some gains in employment, but what was interesting about it is where the gains were. They were not necessarily um, some of the jobs that were lost through the pandemic, but it was other industries. So we saw a professional and technical service job improvements. 
um, finance, insurance, real estate, job growth, um, you know, wholesale, retail trade, all of these things that we've seen some improvements on and more gains are expected this year. So that's something that's really good in terms of um, sustaining some of that higher level of demand in the market, especially as people want to get in before those rates start to um, really rise. I mean, several rates or gains are expected, but throughout the year. So that's, that's one factor. Um, Another thing to consider that we've seen as a turnaround is migration numbers. Um, so we, this is something I've been watching very closely. And finally, in Q3, we saw a bit of a reversal. So we've had been losing people to other parts of the country for some time. We did see that reverse a bit um, in the third quarter, and that's a good sign. So again, that is pointing to um, you know further potential growth as we move forward, and it'll help sustain some of the stronger activity um, in the market. For sure. And what is, I guess, what I'm sure this is you know a multifaceted question, but what is driving that in migration are we is it the the new excitement around tech in the core and new businesses is it just that the economy is improving is it the affordability of the market it, it could be all of the above i mean there is some some developments that we've been having in terms of the tech side is really promising so i look at that as um, something that gives me some optimism on future growth. Um, now, the energy sector, let's be clear, is still our primary driver. Of and we can't forget that some of the growth was is related to the fact that energy prices have been far better than anyone had expected. So that has contributed to some of our growth. Um, but the tech industry is starting to improve. And it is, I, I mean, it's only 3% of our economy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we're seeing some traction there. And that's that is good news in terms of jobs, because those tend to to be higher paid jobs as well. So, and it's adding that diversification. Um, so that is something that could be driving people in, um, having that opportunity in those positions. And I do feel our affordability is something that is an advantage for Calgary. I mean, if you take a look at, you know, just single family type of homes um, across the country, you know, for the fourth largest city, um, CMA, Okay, let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> so city and region, like so, the way you know, um, you know, for us being as large as we are, we are far more affordable than some of those other large cities. Like, I mean, you're not talking a million dollars to buy, you know, the typical sort of home, and, and that is one of the things that I think will attract people to Calgary is that you can still have that lifestyle, and it is still fairly affordable. And then if you couple that with the fact that there is job growth, that's that's a good sign for us. And and you know what, Frank after what we've gone through since 2015, um, it's a nice change, right? Like it's just, it's like we're finally out of what we, you know, some of the the toughest years we've seen in some time. So it's been a long road. Yes, it has. (laughs) And we said one day it'll shift. It's just took a long time. So (laughs) in talking about 2022, you touched on um, interest rate hikes and what the Bank of Canada is planning to do. Uh, kind of digging into that, I know that, you know, what the bank is, the the severity of those hikes and when they'll come has been kind of a moving target. But uh, do you have an insight on when you think that those hikes will come and kind of what the domino effect will be on lending rates or whether lending rates might move ahead of the bank? Um, we often see that lending rates move ahead of the bank anyways, um, you know, but it's a matter of how much they increase. Right. So I think that, you know, for the most part, 
Um, like we didn't have a rate increase today. Um, but at the same time, I think that it is expected that these rate increases might be happening by the next rate announcement. So we could start to see them then. I think it will be a gradual sort of um, increase. But I mean, if we think about the cumulative effect by the end of the year, you could see rates that are over a percent higher than they were at the beginning of the year. So what this could do is create some dynamics even in the first half of the year versus the second half of the year um, as people want to get in. And again, those those forecasts range significantly. I have seen forecasts range from a 1% increase to a 2% increase um, in rates. So, and, and it also will depend on what the discount rates do. So how much are the lenders willing to, you know, work with that discount rate? And, and that is still to be seen, but either way, the, the trend is up. So, so what that could do is we could start to see, um, well, I fully expect that the spring market will be much stronger um, than what we might see in the later half of the year, because I do think that when you have these rates increases coming, it tends to pull forward a lot of demand. So people are going to want to get in before those rates increase. So we could see a very strong spring. And, you know, the challenge that has been, you know, with supply still exists in our market. So I think one thing to consider is that dynamic as we move through the year might be a little different. So, so I think what we see in the earlier part of the year might be different than what we see in the later part of the year. Um, as people are trying to get in early, that demand will stay strong, um, but supply hasn't quite caught up yet. So, mm-hmm. um, so the conditions are still really fairly tight and there's still seller's market conditions. And it's going to take some time for the market to move into more balanced conditions. And this does have an influence on price. And we do expect further price gains this year after you know fairly significant gains last year. Um, we are still expecting some further price gains, but I think... Um, we should see it start to see that upward price pressure ease as we move into the later part of the year. Now that is assuming that supply adjusts. Um, you know, one of the concerns is if that supply doesn't start coming onto the market, we could see price gains that are much stronger than expected. And I'm glad you brought up supply because uh, that was really the next question I wanted to ask you was with the supply issues that existed in several regions and product segments across the Calgary area in 2021. How do you see that supply equation playing out this year and how will that kind of differ between the different home types as well as kind of surrounding areas versus the city of Calgary? Because I know that a lot of those surrounding areas had extremely low supply um, at various times during 2021 and the demand was massive. So how do you see that playing out? Um, I think that's been probably the biggest challenge and the biggest surprise in the market is that supply didn't adjust. Typically, when we start to see prices improve, we see that supply adjustment. Um, we see more people listing their homes um, to get into something else. We we also see some of the reaction on the new home side. And we did see improvements in starts last year. But again, some of their, their costs are much higher and there's also some construction delays. So, so that's something that can influence the additional supply. And, you know, the challenge has been there just hasn't been enough to meet this demand. Now, as we move through this year, if demand starts to kind of start to cool off a bit, that will naturally sort of help with the the supply shortage problem. Um, But at the same time, you, you know, we still need some of those units to come on. And in the surrounding areas, it's been 
exceptionally tight, but again, depending on product type. So one thing I want to point out is the tightness has been mostly driven by the detached and the semi-detached side right. of the market. Yeah. It's not, you know, we, we still have apartment condos, um, the <laughs> supply levels, you know, that market never really went into um, seller market conditions. It was, it moved from buyer market conditions to balanced, which was, you know, for many condo owners is a nice change because I mean, it's basically been oversupplied since 2015. So it is a change in that it's at least much more balanced and that should support some price growth there. Um, but there is a difference. Like, so even the condo market, you know, at a 2% increase last year, I mean, it's far from recovery from 2015 um, prices. So I think that's an important distinction to make. But for if we think about what's happening in the detached market, this might be continuing to be some challenging, especially in some of the lower price ranges is just having that product supply. Um, and and before it actually comes on enough to make it into a much more balanced conditions, um, you know, that is something that it could take a bit longer. And it's in part why we think that the price gains will be higher in the detached market versus um, some of the other sectors. And, you know, the surrounding areas, um, you know, they have, again, done exceptionally well in part because they do have, you know, their, their price points a little different than in the city. So, so not all areas. I'm, I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you look Important at the, caveat. <laughs> yeah. Like, so like Chestermere, for example, is a market where the prices are very similar to what mm-hmm. you can, what you see in Calgary on an overall basis, but they also offer more land and their larger homes. So, so it is a, it is also just a, a difference in what you're getting. But um, for the most part, most of these surrounding areas are coming in at those lower price points for detached homes. So that's something that is attracting people to these areas. And, you know, in addition to lifestyle, and again, if you're not so concerned about your commute time um, into the city, then, you know, that is something that I think a lot of people have been considering. Um and and that's why that market has been so tight. And, and I mean, we're talking like there's been one month of supply in many of those areas um, for their detached homes. So it's just um, it's and it's going to take time. So you need to either see, you know, you need to see that supply stock coming on from the new home side as well um, to help sort of, you know, with that overall housing sort of supply issues measures, but, um, or listings start to improve. But again, for some of those listings to improve, they also need a place to go, right? If you think about, you know, if people are going to list their home, they need to be able to move into something else unless they're leaving the city. And, um, and, and with migration improving, and I don't think some of that's going to happen. So, so what, so we really need to see that overall supply level start to improve. I think there will be some easing of that pressure coming from the new home side, um, especially because starts were so strong last year, mm-hmm. but that should support, um, you know, as that product is completed, some of the supply improvements and then as demand eases off, it should help to support more balanced conditions, but it's going to take some time. And that was a very long answer. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no worries. That, uh, that kind of brings me, I know a lot of people are very, and a lot of our members are very interested in these surrounding area markets. So just kind of sticking there. I know you've, partly address this, but considering how hot those markets were in 2021 and, you know, the very specific conditions that led to that, do you think that level of demand is sustainable given the issues we've seen with supply and, you know, maybe coming out of the pandemic, people are less, you know, more concerned about their commute and being outside the city? Do you think that we're going to start to see those factors playing into people's decision making? Um, well, yes and no. Um, so, so in the way that, yes, as we come out of the pandemic, if people are, 
um, well, we don't know what that work scenario is going to look like. Is it going to be a hybrid scenario? Um, Are people going to want to go back to the office full time? Um, So so that can have some influence. But again, I think that's more of a longer term sort of (laughs) seeing how things settle. But we have to remember, first of all, is that a lot of our outlying communities are not that far from, let's say, the downtown core of Calgary. I mean, it's not if you look at some of the other major centers, um, you know, if you lived outside that might be a two-hour commute. Well, that's not what you're facing. Okay. So, so that is an important distinction is Calgary is not um, like that time from Airdrie into the city is, is not, it's just not as long as might, you might see in other bigger cities. So, so that's important consideration and, and they are generally more affordable. So I think that that demand um, will stay relatively strong in those surrounding communities because um, especially as rates start to rise and people want their detached homes. I mean, if you are willing to adjust on what product type you're looking for, then that can be a little different. Um, you know, but for those people who are set on a detached home, I mean, much more of those affordable options exist if you do go out of the, the core of the city. So kind of shifting gears from surrounding areas to I know you had touched on the kind of condominium apartment market earlier, but kind of zeroing on in on that. With last year, the city revealing its greater downtown plan to revitalize the core, bring more residents into the area, kind of flip some commercial to residential, fill the remaining commercial with some new kind of businesses. Do you expect to start seeing, you know, impacts of this on the housing market, particularly those condo and rental sectors starting this year? Or is it more of a long term picture? So I think it's going to come down to what prices are they at? What type of units are they? Are they going to be rental units or are they going to be ownership units? Um, you know, there's a lot of talk over, is it going to become more of like a student housing? Well, that's a different sort of housing supply. Yes, it adds to the overall supply. Um, it does also take some of that empty space and repurpose it. Typically, that might have more of an impact on the rental first. Um, now, that being said, we don't know what the ownership type of product might come mm-hmm. out of there. So I think that is something to watch in terms of if they're converting these buildings, um, you know, how many units are they going to be adding? What do these units look like? What's the price point of these units and how does it compare relative to the rest of the market? Um, so I think we don't necessarily have enough details on what that conversion looks like quite yet and what it is, but you're definitely adding supply to the market. So, uh, you know, and, and I think it's, are you adding rental supply or ownership supply though is, can make a difference. I mean, we know the rental markets, um, especially with the lack of migration, um, mm-hmm. just this lack of international migration due to COVID restrictions did cause vacancy rates to rise on the rental side of the market. We have slowly seen some of those numbers come down and, and rental product, um, you know, the vacancy rates have been kind of, uh, you know, moving down. They're still a little bit elevated. Um, rental data is not, uh, I'm first to admit, rental data is not the best out there. It's not as yeah. frequent as I would like to see it. But um, that being said, when, you know, some of the measures we look at are showing some improvements in that market. And as we get more migrants in, um, that should help with the rental market. So it also depends on when we think about these conversion units, when is that supply going to come on the market? Um, is that a year from now, two years from now? Um, and how does it look relative to our migration numbers as well? Because, you know, are we keeping up with that pace of population growth? Um, that's something to kind of consider. 
the picture is a little hazy still. <laughs> yeah, we need a, we need a bit more details on what that might look like um, before I can say what that full impact is. So the, the best thing that we can do at this stage is just take a look at, you know, what are the variables to consider to understand what that influence is? And, and part of it is just understanding what they're going to build and what they're going to convert it to. Kind of sticking with rental and condo, I know you touched on in the forecast report how purpose-built rental starts have been up in kind of recent years, especially as the condo market was so oversupplied. A lot of condo projects that would have been for purchase decided at the last second to become purpose-built rental, you know, because the purchase prospects didn't look so great. Do you expect that the pendulum to kind of swing back towards new condominium construction as the economy continues to improve? Well, I mean, that that depends because in part, a lot of that rental investment is it's from investors um, that see a lot of opportunity potentially in our city. I mean, again, sometimes when you get um, other parts of the country that, you know, there, there might not be as much um, investment opportunity, you can see people looking at Calgary for that um, now. And it is important to have a healthy rental market as well as um, a healthy ownership market. So I think that it, it will be driven somewhat by demand. I mean, they, they will continue to build those condos um, to a certain extent. Um, but it is interesting to see this development with more rental now. And what we'll, I'll be watching again on this aspect is, you know, what are those rates that are coming out of them? Um, what is that occupancy? Are they filling? Um, what does that look like? And I think that if there is continued opportunity for investors, they will continue to build rental. Um, you know, the challenge has been is, is people had just they, they preferred they went into ownership. But again, if that cost of ownership becomes more difficult, as more difficult for people to move into the ownership market, then then rental becomes, you know, that's their alternative, right? So I think part of that will depend on what our rates also look like and, and what does, you know, affordability in our city look like. Now we are still affordable. So I do think we could continue to see some of that condo development happening. And I mean, even when we look at the numbers of the starts that we had on the apartment side, um, which is the label as apartment. I mean, half of that was still condominiums. Um, the other half of it might have been rentals. So, so it was about 40, I think 45% that was rental construction last year out of all of the apartment condos, apartment starts, I should say, not condo specific. So, so there still is that condo mix in there. Um, and I think if we see more rental, it will depend on, you know, further strengthening of the rental market. So again, that comes back to some of the fundamentals of if we continue to see migration, there might be more opportunity for that um, and, and investors looking to go into the rental market and, and build more rental. But that being said, um, we still, I, I, I don't think the condo market, is, they're going to keep building those condos as well. Zooming back out to big picture, uh, given the 2022 market conditions you forecast, what we kind of see unfolding this year, what advice would you give to kind of the buyers and sellers who are looking to transact in the market this year, whether they're, you know, existing homeowners or first time buyers who are, you know, thinking this is the time to get in? I think the big thing is to understand the differences. So, um, you know, what pro what type of property are you looking for? Are you in a, in, are you looking for a detached home? Are you looking for, you know, a semi or do you have a certain community in mind? Because there is variation depending on 
where you're where you're looking. So, you know, one of the trends that we've seen is that, you know, the city center, for example, um, that city center sort of broader area, um, you know, detached homes haven't fully recovered in terms of prices there. Um, yes, they've seen gains, but not necessarily as much as some of the outlining areas. So, so it's important to understand just the differences between your district, your community, um, and, and of course the supply. And I think this will be important for both buyers and sellers um you know for sellers are you are you, is there a lot more supply like what are you competing with right so of course you have to look at you know what are you know what is on the market at the time that can influence it um as well as you know what your price point is at. I mean, there are differences if you're in the lower end of the market versus the upper end of the market. So if you're a first-time buyer and you're looking for that detached home, um, and you're looking for something kind of in that, and again, I don't know what first-time buyers are buying at, but if you look, because I mean, first it can be a wide range. But if you're looking in that lower price range and you want a detached home, well, you might not have as many options, and you might be facing a lot more competition. Um, in that segment versus if you're in the upper end of the market um, where you have a bit more supply choice, you know, or are you looking for an apartment condo? That That is a different story. Like you just might not face that same, you might face very different market conditions if you're looking for an apartment condo versus what you be seeing in a detached. So I think it's important for them to understand, you know, their property type, their price range and their location and how that can influence um, what they're doing. Now, Obviously, there's also what you can afford, um, you know, and that's where, you know, of course, talking to your, your the lending industry and, and, and that, that pre-approval process and knowing what you can afford will be important as well, um, especially as rates start to rise. That is great advice. And shifting from buyers and sellers to our uh, realtor members to kind of wrap things up, do you have any final advice for them as they're navigating the market, you know, with their clients over the next year? Well, I'm sure it's been a bit of a challenging time when you don't have a lot of supply um, in the market because you do get into those scenarios where um, there's multiple offers and things like that. Um, and and again, um, you know, I think for our members, I I think it's just important again help set that expectation with your clients, um, knowing that and explaining those differences. That's what they're there for, to explain, well, okay, this is what's happening in your segment that you're looking for or your property type that you're looking for or your price range. I mean, providing some of that information. Um, our members have a wealth of information that's given to them, broken out by those communities. And it's a, that, you know, sharing some of those differences because we often report on total numbers in the city or look at a broad base. Um, you know, I think where members really add a lot value um, for their clients is, is looking at those differences and providing those differences um, to their clients on that, that more micro level um, and, and looking at some of the variation within those communities um, and property types. Excellent. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Um, well, Amory, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, as always, we appreciate your insight and uh, we're very much looking forward to seeing what 2022 has in store. Yes. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who tuned in for the podcast. Make sure you keep an eye on Crep Talk for our next episode. 